sorry. Morning, Simon. How's Very it going? Nice to see you. As um, uh, it's all been uh, quite a difficult journey. You and I have um, been across, well, kind of across the Darien Gap, but um, getting from Waterloo to Streatham has proved rather more challenging than that, I must say. We should explain that we're in the middle of the Storm Dennis travel disruption, which I didn't realise extended as far as the um, uh, uh, washing facilities on the uh, on South Western Railway. But no, I. Uh, left Waterloo um, on time and then thought I will take my take my ease I think is the phrase oh um, but no such then, luck well no and then then you find out exactly what happens when all the lights inside the loo go off and there is nothing you can do you can't open the door you can't you can try and kick the door down and that's not going to work in the end you have to do which no something which no passenger ever wants to do which is press the thing marked alarm then all the trains apparently in the um, uh, South Western Railway earlier, um, in and out of the Britain's busiest station, Waterloo, are halted while a guard, and I did this, made sure I was at a station, comes along and finds out what the trouble is. Oh, no, so uh, yeah. it's an oh dear, what can the matter uh, be? Oh dear, uh, what was the matter? Yes. Or, or, well, look, I mean, we have four yeah. facilities here in my uh, uh, splendid home. Come and, come and have a cup of tea and, uh, and a piece of toast, and then we yes. will um, go and talk about um, the uh, Central Asian uh, republics, yes, which are also known as the stands. The, the stands, which um, are considerably easier, I can now verify, having been to uh, Kazakhstan and many other stands en route to uh, Uzbekistan, um, I can confirm that actually uh, reaching those is much easier than reaching <laughs> Balamon or something. <laughs> well, belatedly then, uh, welcome fellow travellers, <laughs> and um, <laughs> two, you should have been there. Uh, and the place that Simon and I are going to talk about uh, today is a fairly large chunk of the globe, which I know absolutely nothing about, although I have done a little bit of research, uh, and it's the Central Asian Republics. Yes, and these are oh, well, five republics formerly in the Soviet Union. And of course, uh, like so many republics of the Soviet Union, we don't really know much about them. We couldn't necessarily point to them on a map. We don't really know how big they are um, and how they, they all fit together. But if you can imagine, basically directly above the rather more familiar uh, countries of Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan even, squeezing up against uh, China in one direction and the Caspian Sea in the other, and all buried underneath the great weight, the great mass of um, Russia, you have Kazakhstan presiding over the whole lot. And then almost in its skirts, you've got Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan and Turkmenistan. Now, even the smaller ones are pretty respectable sized countries. But as an area, it is kind of off the map in a way which is, um, as far as I can see, quite ridiculous, given the many wonders which reside there. OK, well, we'll get on to them in a sec. I mean, I'm looking at your rather handy map here and uh, Kazakhstan is absolutely huge. It takes up, well, would it be fair to say about the top two thirds of the yes. area occupied by these five stands, as I believe they're known in the trade? 
yes, it, it, it's um, absurdly big. It's um, the second biggest uh, republic in the Soviet Union, as was, and yet um, very sparsely populated. Uh, I think there's 18 million people there in an area which I'm going to say without uh, is the same size as Western Europe that's quite easy because obviously you can extend your definition of Western Europe to whatever you want it to be uh, in order to um, to justify that. So, but if you were going to fly across it from one side to the other, what would it oh, take you? Two, three two, hours? Two, would two it? and a half two to and three hours, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and you, but you, you tend not to. It's one of those places if you are flying to Singapore by the northerly route or Hong Kong, then quite possibly you will fly over some of Russia and then some random selection of Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, uh, uh, Kyrgyzstan. And it's quite popular when the skies above Pakistan, Afghanistan and Iran are unpopular places to fly. Suddenly you can find flights um, being routed around them. Uh, uh, and that, that yeah. generally means that you're flying over these places and they are benefiting from the huge... Uh, overflying earnings, which um, which if you're a sparsely populated country, can kind of quickly add up in a, a per capita way. Now, I found out that the stan, which um, is common to all of them, actually means land of or country of, yes. which is fair enough. So that's country of Uzbeks, Kyrgyz, Tajiks and Turkmen, is that right? And also the Kazakhs. And the Kazakhs. Uh, who are the Cossacks. Oh, I see. Ah, yes, it's, it's the same so, so. as Cossacks. And apparently, for a, um, a travel um, podcast like ours, that's possibly the most appropriate of them all because I know it means land of the wanderers or the nomads. Yes. So the Kazakhs or Cossacks are wanderers, um, nomads, nomadic well, peoples originally. Yes, and if, if, if you have... Um, uh, like me being lucky enough to go to Kazakhstan, you'd understand that people would would wonder because th- there's a certain austerity, a certain bleakness to the landscape. And as a result of that, uh, you do have to wander a, a long way for everything, really, from from uh, nutrition, because quite a lot of it is, is, is uh, fairly unfruitful land. Um, to, well, let, let's pick up on the Aral Sea, uh, this incredible shrinking sea uh, just tucked in the southwestern corner of Kazakhstan, which was um, a marvellous, marvellous um, inland sea, almost kind of, well, not quite on the same scale as the Caspian Sea, but uh, pretty impressive. And then the water was just uh, diverted by the Soviet Union to all sorts of projects, as a result of which the Aral Sea is now a... Um, overwhelming ecological disaster, particularly in on the southern side, I believe, which is yes. Uzbekistan, where yes. it is utterly ruined. Uh, yeah. And you can go and see. I don't know. You might have done, but I, I was very struck by um, some photos of uh, rotting, rusting fishing boats um, lying in the middle of a endless. Desert, yeah, yes. So, so like you, you suddenly found that that you've got you've got a very perfectly good fishing vessel, which um, uh, was great. Except that the the very very diminished sea is now what fifty miles away. So <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just an awful, God, awful yeah. story. Um, yeah. And uh, nothing nothing that the West could do, of course, because this was all entirely within the uh, good old USSR.
Well, you've been to um, some of these places. Oh. Uh, what, what, what is the attraction? In general, why why go? Why go all this way to um, emptiness, bleakness, ecological disaster areas? Or is there more to it? There, there is much, much more to it than that. Um, bleakness is, is the strong suit of Kazakhstan. And that's very much one of these places where, even though uh, the very good film Borat, which I think was a documentary, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you mean um, cultural learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan? Yes, um, and filmed, subtitle was filmed in uh, Transylvania and Romania, a very very long way from Kazakhstan, and in an area which looks nothing like Kazakhstan. Um, uh, it's the sort of place where, actually, I think on a tourism attractiveness score, it would rate probably about three. Um, and I'm not being... Well, you know, maybe I'm... Is that three out of five three, or ten? Three out of ten, yes. Three out of ten. No. Three out of ten. <laughs> um, whereas Kyrgyzstan, just to the uh, southeast, um, is uh, is utterly breathtaking. Now... Um, you could, you can. The best way to get to much of uh, Kyrgyzstan is actually to fly into Kazakhstan, which is good because it means that you can go to the very funny capital city Almaty. Uh, I saw that there are apparently snow leopards and wonderful beasts like that somewhere in the in the mountains of Kazakhstan, which I think are in the south, aren't they? Other than most of it is sort of steppe land, which, which is flat huge plains isn't it um, yes yeah, so there's a few odd canyons there's lakes there's all, all kinds of um uh of stuff it, it moves, changes fairly slowly it must be said because you're not going to get the same diversity of landscape but if you do just nip across the border which is i think uh, uh yeah kazakhstan to kyrgyzstan from memory is one of the smoother borders in a place where borders are rarely smooth and then you you discover that you are in well how many places have you been to which have been called the Switzerland of dot dot dot? Kyrgyzstan is most certainly the Switzerland of Central Asia. Staggering mountain landscapes, beautiful lakes, lovely villages where you can indeed go wandering lonely as a goat herd. And the sort of place which from a, an adventurous point of view I think is probably an eight, eight or a nine nobody's been there and actually one of the problems is that um there is no decent mapping and so therefore it would be quite quite easy to um go astray um, but if you've got good local guides it's a, a great place to explore uh, so that's kyrgyzstan and then mm. if we would go down uh, sort of clockwise then uh, Tajikistan is the next one. Do you know anything about that? Or... Uh, well, I would love to say that I do, but I must confess that I don't. I managed somehow to bypass in my journey uh, Tajikistan um, and and go straight into Uzbekistan. However, however, it is the most extreme of the former Soviet republics. Bear in mind that these places were all controlled from. Moscow, which is thousands of miles um, away, and therefore what happened, for example, on the um, Tajik border with Afghanistan or with, with China, you know, th there was very little sense of control. So I'm looking forward to heading there, and it's kind of bandit country, which could, of course, be um, uh, one reason why there is quite a lot of tension and a lot of 
stuff that goes on in that part of the world, which um, I'm sure is of great interest to the security services and therefore not necessarily a wonderful place for a holiday. Um, OK, let's go round to Turkmenistan. 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 Yeah. Uh, which is another sparsely populated and, um, I would say, unknown place. Um, yes, well, I tried to go there with um, none other than um, Tony Wheeler, founder of Lonely Planet. Um, and he reports that it is the strangest place that he's been to. And he's been to North Korea and, and many other places. It's uh, the, this extraordinary cult has sprung up because Is that what around the leader yes yeah. um, or the president uh the, the late president i think and because it has immense wealth from hydrocarbons uh it has stupid amounts of money and they just build um basically a kind of turkmen version of las vegas wherever they go just um un, unlimited bling however i didn't get in there because um they don't like journalists at all and if, um, with with my name, you Google it, then you might find out I was a I was a journalist. Um, Tony Wheeler, of course, writer of long standing. Um, if you Google the name on his passport, Anthony Wheeler, you get a a black two hundred pound quarterback who plays American footballer, and so therefore they're not necessarily going to think that um, that there's going to be a journalist there. So he went and had a wonderful time. They are easing the visa rules, and I'm looking forward to trying to get back in. And by the way, if you do, then that's... If you if you can get permission to go in there, the most fascinating way to get there is across the Caspian Sea. You go from Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan, which is notable for being the deepest capital city in the world 80 feet below sea level i mean it's the same level as the caspian sea but the caspian sea is in a depression aren't we all and uh, th- there's an occasional freighter which makes it put its way across the caspian into turkmenistan and i would love to catch that one day that's mm. a very nice idea and we've got one more to look at then of the five which is um, sandwiched between turkmenistan and um, the mighty kazakhstan and that is uzbekistan which is far and away the most populous although by no means the uh, largest of these uh, no, uh, republics um, most most populous and most popular and i would give it probably a pretty pretty straight 10 out of 10 as a tourist destination except if you like beaches because it shares a property with Liechtenstein and I wonder if you can guess what that property is bearing in mind the clue I just provided I imagine it's something to do with a landlocked country within a landlocked country. Brilliant, yes that's a brilliant there are only two countries in the world which are surrounded by landlocked countries and they are Liechtenstein and Uzbekistan are the are the ah, answers yes and I so. should say though that having uh, researched this a bit that actually the largest landlocked country in the world is Kazakhstan ah okay right and uh, that, I believe yeah. and it's about the ninth largest country in the yes. world as well but anyway getting back to Uzbekistan well that has um some very romantic sounding places in it its capital is tashkent isn't it yes. which sounds good and doesn't it have samarkand in it as well well is that, that... I, I can let me take you on a journey oh. through there if i may okay you may. so so of the places i went to in the last decade uzbekistan is absolutely 
uh, the standout by a mile. So many joys there. Uh, might be might be because of my um, proclivities and the sorts of things that I like. But I, I love Tashkent because it is this very brutal, very funny Soviet city where they simply haven't bothered to update it. So you stay in the old Intourist Hotel, which is now the Hotel Uzbekistan or whatever, and uh, it has the same threadbare carpets and joyless nightclub uh, which doubles as the breakfast room and quite often at the same time um those places that they're getting rarer and they need to be celebrated and there's the usual crop of monuments of uh, old soviet heroes and they haven't really de-sovietized it very well or very much um which it, which probably suits them but but the great thing is you have this wonderful traverse across Uzbekistan which I still haven't completed but it begins as follows you go to the railway station and you buy a ticket for uh, the only high-speed railway line in the whole of Central Asia um, and it's called the Afro Siob um, which sounds as though it ought to be connecting uh, Tangier with Cape Town or something but it's not it's uh, j- just a, 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 a very good Spanish built high speed train which um, just roars down to Samarkand it gets you to, to Samarkand in, in two hours flat and considering the appalling road alternative it is terrific now Samarkand does sound like one of these fabled made up Silk Road places but Actually, it's it's a combination of things. So it's, it's got this astonishing Islamic core where you have got the Registan, this, this square surrounded by palaces and mosques. And this being a fluid sort of place, if you want to go and have a look in one of the minarets, then all you've got to do is turn up at six o'clock in the morning with some $10 notes and everything will become possible. And so you have miraculously preserved against all odds this collection of um, Islamic monuments. Are they colourful? I mean, is it colourful tiles? It's not all just kind of deserty sand sort of colour. No, it it looks so it's put up last week. But it's in the middle of of just everyday Sovietness. And so you've got close to it this concrete market, which is very funny because it's in um, uh, Uzbekistan, so therefore it's going to be quite lively. Um, Samarkand is a joy, but not quite as joyful as Bukhara, the next place you go to in two hours flat on your high-speed train. Um, And this is very much the Silk Road city. You feel as though very little has changed since the merchants going between Europe and China. You think Marco Polo might pop around the corner in a moment. Yes, in fact, you can probably sleep in his um, bed but it's got lovely old streets, unreconstructed. Uh, you just just wander around. Um, and, and talking of which, of course, it is completely safe. I've never felt any degree of any kind of threat anywhere in, um, in Central Asia. But then the railway runs out. And so how are you going to get to... Kiva. Now I'm pronouncing it Kiva, not because I have a cold, but because it's one of these places spelled K-H-I-V-A. Ah. Well, you find somebody um, who's a taxi and you give them $50. Yes. So less than £40 and they will drive you for 300 miles because all the cars are Chevrolets that run on natural gas. The natural gas is effectively free. 
people's time is obviously not valued the same as it might be elsewhere, and they will just drive you in this um, along the finest road in um, uh, uh, Uzbekistan as well, which was installed. I'm not sure at whose behest, but it's certainly got not got any cars on it or anything inconvenient. Um, and you head down to the city of Urgench, which is unlovable, but then you turn up in the town of Khiva, and then you do fall in love. If you can imagine a fairly small walled city where the old medieval mud walls are still there, where you go through gateways into this uh, clearly very ancient area where, again, you've got a mix of kind of huddles of housing, but with astonishing Islamic monuments again wonderful uh, mosques beautiful towers gosh well you can just I stayed in a cheap hostel I think it might have been I might have paid 30 pounds a night um, and you um, buy a couple of beers for 50 pence or something each from the good uh, proprietor and you go and sit on the roof and you're just looking at the sun setting over this oh, most captivating place you could imagine everything about the Silk Road, about Asia, about the exotic East is encapsulated there. And you watch the sun go down and then you wander off and have a... Do you have a nice... Would you yeah, you, 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 you are dining on, on effectively kind of Turkish food, Lebanese food, Middle Eastern food. Um, it is abundant, it is, it is uh, inexpensive and it is, it is glorious. Well, my word, you've sold that to well, me. But, um, there's still so much I want to see in, in Uzbekistan. So uh, just going a little bit beyond Kiva, you've got this place called Nukus, which is an utterly, utterly um, kind of off the beaten track place, which happens to have the greatest collection of Soviet modern art anywhere in the world because it was set up by um, somebody who managed to be under the Kremlin radar and was just collecting all this art. Oh, how interesting. All there. Nukus. Yes. N-U-K-U-S. So, oh gosh, a very good introduction to Uzbekistan. They've also abolished the black market in currency, which is good, because previously it was quite funny. You would have to turn up with dollars and find the bakery or the <laughs> funeral director or whatever <laughs> enterprise held the franchise for the um, mm. black market uh, Bureau de Change. It was all completely completely safe, but you just needed to go and find yeah. find who was doing the... Um, the banking. The, the, the banking, yes. Alternative uh, banking. Yes, alternative yeah. banking, but now uh, everything is um, open and free. Now, I must ask you, can you get to these countries by any means other than flying or would it be well, a very very um, well, arduous that's a great question because if you go into um, uh, Bishkek which is the quaintly named um, uh, capital of Kyrgyzstan I'm going to say that before in the Soviet days it was called Frunza people may have to write in and, and, and heckle um, but you go to the wonderful railway station and you've got this huge map of the entire Soviet railway system and there is a link from where you are in Bishkek, all the way to uh, to Moscow, uh, where, of course, all, all railroads begin or end. Uh, that you could probably do quite well, um, but... You need to take then get the train it, to... Need, so you need to get 
the train to Moscow and then down to Bishkent, is that... Bishkek, yes. Bishkek. But, but it, it, lots of these lines don't run or don't run where they used to run because of all kinds of uh, geopolitical yeah. sensitivities. So you could do it. Um, a colleague of mine, I think, priced it up and found it was about £900 one way and that didn't even include... Uh, getting the Russian visa that would be necessary yeah. for a journey like this. Yes. Now, I'm um, uh, aware that time is rushing on, right. but I have a challenge for you. A what? A challenge. No. I, I have compiled a quiz oh, no. about these countries. Oh, uh, no. There are five questions. Well, I hope one of the questions is, which is the only double landlocked country in the world, apart from Plucky Liechtenstein? Well, it was, but now I've taken it off. Oh, no. No, so, OK. Um, right, OK, here we go, then. Right. Um, Simon, getting to know the stands, question one. Where would you go to see one of the most beautiful and ornate underground railway systems in the world? I'm going to say, since it can't be a trick question, um, I'd probably have to say Almaty, because uh, I don't think any of the other capital cities are big enough to have a metro, but you may be about to correct me. Well, I'm going to correct you. Because, in fact, Tashkent ah, does have. And, right, uh, and uh, according to the photographs and, indeed, reports from other people, it is absolutely astonishing. It's along the lines of Moscow's um, famously beautiful yes. underground railway stations. But it is all coming back to me Even now, yes. more so. And there is one, for example, which I looked at, and this is a station called... Uh, unfortunately, I've torn my... Um, uh, question sheet, well, it must but be I think it's Pak- first of, uh, first of Main Square. Yes, Paktarkos. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, and it is absolutely stunningly beautiful. It is covered in mosaics of flowering cotton plants, oh. bizarrely. But then, of course, there is a rather less aesthetically pleasing story connected with with that because it was the Soviet Union's decision to grow cotton in probably not a particularly appropriate place but in Uzbekistan which led to them diverting rivers from the Aral Sea in order to um, irrigate the cotton fields and indeed to completely ruin um, a a very beautiful um, natural (laughs) phenomenon Um, anyway not bad I'll give you um, a a near miss okay Okay, thank you (laughs) okay now in which country would you get fermented mare's oh. milk, which I'm going to call kumis, yeah. and which you might be able to pay for using a rather unusual denomination of coin, which is a three som coin. Yes. So th- uh, I, uh, well, I'm going to say uh, Kyrgyzstan. You're absolutely right. Because I've managed to have some, because you can literally, you think this is a tourist attraction, you're driving uh, across this uh, this step, you've got the mountains in the background, snow pretty much all year round, and you'll see these tents, and somebody will wave and uh, uh, ask you to stop, and you do, and you think, well, this is going to be a trick, or I'll be robbed, or I'll need to leave large amounts of money, but no, they want to take you in and give you some fermented mare's milk, um, which is, of course, almost undrinkable. Um, and can, all, can you describe the flavour? Or is well, it, 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 it's just... Uh, it's, I mean, it makes very, me feel vaguely ill just yes, hearing it. Yes, it is. Um, well, it's difficult to describe without using terms which would not not, not um, be conducive. It, 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 um, it tastes of 
gastric juices I'm, I, I'm uh, imagining so it kind of cuts out the middle man but much much nicer is in Bishkek itself lots and lots of barrels of stuff which are which uh, um, have kvass in which is a kind of slightly vaguely fermented um, drink not not very alcoholic but oh. Uh, oh, well, that, very, that's very a, pleasant and safe I'll, and I'll try and remember that so yes, when someone it. says do come and have some kumis kumis yeah. uh, I'll say uh, well, actually, do you know have you got any kvass yes exactly uh, and they, they will they will look approvingly at oh well that's very good good, good question thank and, you and what about the three som coin because oh, yes. it is extremely unusual to find a coin whose denomination is three well yes the only examples I can think of elsewhere in the world are former UK where you had a thruppany bit oh god uh, Gosh, of course. Uh, 12 sided. Oh, how silly. Um, of course. And uh, in Cuba, where, where you can get not just a three uh, three peso note, but also a three peso coin, which bears the visage of um, uh, che, Guevara. che Guevara. I thought that, yes. Very, well, there we go. Well, yeah. that's quite interesting. And by the way, at, at current rates of exchange, a three som coin is worth. Just over three p. Yes, Yeah. Okay. Question three. Oh crikey! Now, question three. You might think that um, the um, splendid fruit, the apple, probably hails from Kent or uh, Eden, yes, you or, or, might, yeah, or the, Eden, yes, Eden, yes, or yeah, or the Vale of Evesham. But, um, but actually. Apparently, it doesn't, and a wild ancestor of the apple, and indeed the first apple tree, is to be found in one of these well, republics. OK, well, I'm going to say uh, it has to be the Fergana Valley of Uzbekistan, because that's that's the kind of breadbasket of Central Asia. Ah, well, you might be right, but that's not what is generally uh, thought. Uh, okay. It is actually the Tian Shan Mountains oh, in the south of Kazakhstan. And you can actually go there and see forests of these um, wild apple trees. And oh. they are supposed to be the forerunner of um, our Cox's Orange Pippins. Um, the French Golden, 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 Golden Blah, blah, blah. Right. Now, these republics are a source um, not of just of interesting foodstuffs, uh, but also of very odd laws. <laughs> now, which country, <laughs> in which country uh, is it said um, that um, a recent president has actually outlawed black painted cars? Well, it must be Turkmenistan, because that's the maddest country politically, I yeah. would say. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. And and that it's because white is a uh, a lucky colour yeah. uh, in, in that culture. And indeed well, white is the so new so black. As and say. white is the new black, that actually, apparently, black cars have quite recently been... Um, been outlawed and, and indeed buildings I, I am told uh, in Turkmenistan are particularly well official buildings are covered in white marble oh. just sort of clad with my, white marble because A as you said before there's loads of money um, and uh, uh, and that's what the president would like to or the recent president I don't know which president it is but they tend to go on for quite a long time um, yes and they, and they, yeah. they are best most conveniently obeyed okay well look I've got one last question then um whose capital is named after a day of the week oh right well Tashkent isn't Almaty is not the capital Nur Sartan is the capital and that's uh that's named after um 
Uh, of course, a great, great, uh, great uh, to Shanbei. No, I don't. don't uh, which I think actually is the one which used to be called Frunza. Uh, a day of the week, Ashgabat. Um, uh, well, you've already. Sort of, I'll give you a clue. You have said it. No, Dushanbe. Dushanbe. It means. It means um, Monday. Dusham or Dusha means Monday in Persian, ah. which is a language widely spoken there. And um, there was a very lively uh, Monday market. Ah, okay. Uh, so before, well, before it was actually. Made yeah. into a capital well, when it was a village. And yes, then... well, well, of course, uh, the whole Soviet world is just full of villages which suddenly became capital cities for reasons to do with, uh, uh, well, who knows what political intrigue. That very good, very good quiz. Thank you very much indeed. I no, was... it was a pleasure. I, th- I... I can't remember. I think you've, I think you've probably won a three som coin I for that. that, in that very... If you'd got them all right, I would have given you a five som coin. Um, Well, I think that's probably um, about enough of uh, the stands. Um, I hope uh, you have all enjoyed it as uh, much as uh, we have. And um, our next podcast is going to be about great bays of the world. Yes, and maybe even bays which aren't great. Ah, well, that's an interesting thought. Well, anyway, look, I've got to make this point that this is a very tortuous link between the subject of this podcast and the next, which is in Borat, the cultural learnings of America, for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan, um, <laughs> there is an absolutely hilarious um, sequence in which Borat, the hero, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, kidnaps Pamela Anderson in order <laughs> in order to try and um, uh, make her uh, his bride uh, in a Kazakh style uh, wedding ceremony um, and so of course Pamela Anderson Baywatch uh, yeah, okay I got it. give yeah. you that but, um, <laughs> I was ashamed that we've used half the length of the podcast in order to make that very very tenuous link okay well uh, well from from me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb goodbye goodbye mm-hmm.